All right, turn in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, last year, the end of the year, the Lord gave me a word. You know, it's amazing that sometimes uh, the Lord just gives you a word. And I, I looked up a word in Scripture, and I've read the Bible from cover to cover almost every year of my life. It's just something I do. I try to read the Word of God. But it's amazing how sometimes you can see a word, and then you see it everywhere. And the word that the Lord gave me was inheritance. And so this morning, I'm going to talk about our inheritance in God. Ephesians 1, starting at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that, he, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the beloved. Aren't you glad you're accepted in the beloved? In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of His grace, which He made to abound toward, and, uh, toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of His will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him, in him. And you'll see this all through now, these next, in him, it's all in him. Also, we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you for this house. Thank you for this people. Give us ears to hear what your spirit would say and help me to share your word, God, according to what you've given to me to say in the name that's above every other name, the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Inheritance is the practice of passing on property, titles, rights, obligations, upon the death of an individual. We have a Bible that we call the Old Testament and the New Testament. It is literally the old will and the new will, writing a will to us, telling us what belongs to us as the people of God. Now, I'm not smart enough, nor have I had the time to count all the promises of God, but somebody that was smarter than me counted all the promises and said there's more than 30 thousand promises that are given to the believer in the Word of God. Now, I just want to go on record and tell you that I have not personally accessed all 30,000 yet, but I want you to know that I am working on them because I believe that they're all for us. I believe the promises of God are yes and amen, and I believe that God wants us to obtain His promise. And the Bible says to us, that these promises are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Aren't you glad they're not sealed by man? 
They're sealed by the Holy Spirit. And then it says, who the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. Now, if any of you have got any money left after taxes and you keep it in the bank, you put it in the bank and it says, guaranteed by the Federal Reserve Bank. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that you've got a greater guarantee in the kingdom of God. Your inheritance is not guaranteed by the Federal Reserve. Your inheritance is guaranteed by the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. He's the one who says that you'll have what he says you'll have, that you'll do what he says you'll do, that you can be who he says you'll be. God's promises are yes and amen, guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I came across a story about a, uh, it was written in an article, it was written about a young man named Sergi. Sergi was a normal college kid living in Germany. He put himself through college and he was living on about $240 a month. And one day, he got a knock at the door by a man in a suit with a briefcase. Sergi thought it was a little unusual, but he let him in to talk. And the guy happened to be a lawyer and gave him some bad news that his uncle had died. Sergi thought that this was weird because he had only met his uncle one time. The man said, Sergi, you met your uncle at a family reunion and you left such an impression on him that he decided to leave his entire fortune of $975 million to you. So Sergi went from having nothing to having almost a billion dollars in the bank. Now, I don't know what happened to Sergi after this exactly. I know there's two things that we can learn from this story. One is, always be nice to your uncle at family reunions. <laughs> you just never know where your inheritance is coming from. You just never know how God's going to meet your needs. You never know what's going to take place. Another thing that I believe we learned is it changed Sergi's life. His life was never the same. When you receive what God has for you, you'll never, ever be the same. There's another story that I know personally. There's a friend of mine years ago. He's passed away now, but his name was Kerry Whitfield. Kerry lived in Tallahassee. I grew up in Tallahassee, Florida. And Kerry um, was a postman in downtown Tallahassee and uh, had one of those jobs where he pulled a little cart with the mail in it and he went to all these little apartments and all these places of business and and uh, one day a little lady came out of an apartment and said, um, sir, said, um, I I've got a couple of light bulbs that have blown and I'm, I'm older and I'm frail and I can't really change these bulbs. Would you mind changing these bulbs for me? And Carrie looked at her and said, um, I can't do that. Said it's against our rules. I'm, I'm in my postman uniform and said, I can't go into the house. And said, but uh, I'll be glad to come back on Saturday on my day off and I'll help you. And so Carrie went over to her house and changed a few light bulbs and moved a piece of furniture. And over the next year or so, he became pretty regular at trying to help her out. Now, she lived in a very modest apartment and didn't seem to really have anything particularly uh, uh, of any consequence. But she passed away. 
And when she passed away, she left Carrie a million and a half dollars. He quit the post office. <laughs> you know, the truth is, one of the things that the Lord has been speaking to me about our inheritance is you never know from whence it will come. You never know how God's going to bring to you what He's promised to you. We know His promises are sure, but we don't always know. Sometimes we expect it to come this way and it comes this way. We expect it to come from that source and it comes from that source. God's not limited in the way that He can bring to you what He's promised to you. Don't you let yourself get into a box where you think there's only way to receive what God has for you. Now there's another story that I know some of us may have heard over time. Years ago, before there were transatlantic flights, there was a man who wanted to come to the United States from Europe and he worked hard and saved every penny and wanted to buy enough money for, to get on a cruise ship because that was the only way to come. There were no airplanes. The trip at that time required about two or three weeks to cross the ocean. He went out and he bought a suitcase and filled it full of cheese and crackers because he said that's all he could afford. Once on board, all the other passengers went to the large ornate dining room to eat their gourmet meals. But this poor man would go over in the corner and eat his cheese and crackers. That went on day after day. He could smell the delicious food being served in the dining room. He heard the other passengers speak of it in glowing terms as they rubbed their bellies and complained how full they were and how they'd have to go on a diet after the trip. The poor traveler wanted to join the other guests in the dining room, but he had no extra money. Sometimes he'd lie awake at night, dreaming of the sumptuous meals the other guests described. Finally, toward the end of the trip, a man came up to him and said, Sir, I can't help but notice that you're always over there eating cheese and crackers at mealtimes. Why don't you come into the banquet hall and eat with us? And the traveler's face flushed with embarrassment. Well, to tell you the truth, I only had enough money to buy the ticket. I don't have any extra money to purchase fancy meals. The other passenger raised his eyebrows in surprise and said, Sir, don't you realize the meals are included in the price of the ticket? Your meals have already been provided for. You know, when I read that story, I want to tell you something. In all these years now, 45 years of traveling and ministering to different churches, it's come to my attention that I believe there's a lot of believers who live beneath their means. They don't know that all the promises of God have been paid for in a ticket paid by the blood of Jesus Christ. And God has already provided for you everything that you need in this life. God wants you to know that, he can be, that you can be what God's called you to be. And you can do what he's called you to do. And I believe that the ticket has already been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. We don't have to live a life of desperation. We can be overcomers. I love that song that we sang this morning. Waymaker, promise keeper, hallelujah. God is with us. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll be with you always to the end of the world. We need to know. So many times we say, well, I just don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I'm going to tell you how. With God, all things are possible. You can do what God has called you to do 
because the Lord's promises are with you. I love the story. In the Old Testament, there's all kind of, again, if you look up inheritance, it's all throughout the scripture. But one of my favorites is about Caleb. I love Caleb. There's a story in Joshua, and you know this story. The Lord said, uh, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, said, uh, you know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God concerning you and me and Kadesh Barnea. He said, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day and said, Surely the land where your foot is trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever because you have wholly followed the Lord. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. And he said, These 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am, 85 years old, and yet I'm as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. And as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and coming in. So give me this mountain, which the Lord spoke to me in that day. And you heard of that, how the Anakim were there, and the cities were great and fortified. And he said, it may be that the Lord will be with me and I'll be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. I want to tell you something. I love this story. First of all, <laughs> Caleb was wholehearted. You know what? In the body of Christ today, if you want what God's promised to you, don't be half-hearted about it. Go after it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Believe that the promises of God are for you. It's not just for that one sitting over there. It's not just for the preacher. It's not just for the one that sits on the praise team. It's to the people of God called by his name, called out of darkness, delivered from shame, a holy nation. And God has promised us so much in his word. And I believe we need to be wholehearted. And I believe whether it's been four years or 45 years, I believe we need to believe in the promises of God. Listen, church, when I was asking the Lord what to preach to you today, I believe that some of you have a promise of some of your children being saved. And I believe that some of you have a promise of a better job or better situation or better circumstances. Or some of you have a promise of something that God has told you that you would do for the kingdom of God. And it may not have materialized yet, but I believe the Lord gave me a prophetic word to tell you today. Hold on. Don't turn loose. Give me the mountain that God has promised to me because I believe that I'm just as strong today as I was 45 years ago. I'm going to believe. Listen, I heard our teacher say this morning, a day is as a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is a day. We don't know the timings of God. I'm telling you, don't give up. Amen. Hallelujah. The other thing I read in this story is the majority is not always right. I don't care what everybody else is doing. How many of you have got children in this room? How many of your children have ever come to you and said everybody else is doing it? How many of you have told your children, not everybody, you're not? I don't care what everybody else is doing. 
All that matters is what God has promised you. Listen, that's even true for the church. Hear me what I'm telling you. Everybody that comes to church don't always believe. I wished I could get up right now a little more. There's a lot of people in the body of Christ that have been plagued by unbelief. That just because something hadn't happened that you thought might happen in the timing that you thought it might happen, you think God's quit. He's not quit. He's just waiting for the right time. And his right time is different than your right time. So you need to hear the word of God. And so I believe the majority is not always right. There's a few people in this room that's got gray hair, no hair, and lost hair. <laughs> Uh, receding here <laughs> after 40 years you can still trust God I want to tell you God needs those with gray hair to say we still believe in God my trust is in the Lord <laughs> I, I got a group of people around me they love me thank God but some of them have gotten into a place where they're saying, you know, Brother Ron, you're 64 years old. You kind of come into retirement age. The only problem with that situation is, is that the guy that I work with, Charles Simpson, pastor, he's 82 years old, and he's still gassing it full time. And I'm like, there is no place for retirement. There's no place for quitting. And I believe in the kingdom of God, we're not here. To quit. We're not here to give up. And I've got some people that said, you know, Ron, you ought to slow down. And I said, you know what? I think I'm just, this year's been a year of refurbishing for me. February, I had heart bypass surgery. June, I had cataract surgery. I could see all of you now without glasses for the first time in 25 years. And I got hernia surgery, which is going to allow me to carry another 5,000 suitcases. But can I tell you that if God will help me, at least for the next 20 years, I'm going to be about the Father's business, Charles. I have no intention of quitting. I might cut back a little bit. Some of them, some of my friends have said, you could travel a little less than 170,000 miles a year. I said, I, I might could do that, but I'm not going to quit. I'm going to serve the Lord with my last breath. I'm going to serve God with every fiber that's within me. I believe that we need to do for God. Now, you know the story. When, John, when Caleb and them were going to go into the promised land, there were giants that were there. And the giants had names. They were Anak, Ahiman, Talmai, Shishiah. Anak was the father. Now, names in the Bible are always important. Names always mean something. Anak meant the father, long neck. It meant self-will. His three sons, Ahiman, his name means selfishness. Another son was Talmai. His name means self-sufficiency. And the last son was Shishiah, white linen, self-righteousness. Do you hear something that is in all their names? Self. The biggest obstacle that we face to obtaining the promises of God are not out there somewhere. It's right here. It's our own self-will. 
It's our own selfishness. It's our own self-sufficiency. It's our own self-righteousness. I believe that so many times that we get into a place that we say, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and by the way, I wanted to say this. <laughs> I know this contradicts some television preachers today. But just because God's given you a promise does not necessarily mean that you won't have to fight a giant to get it. Let me say it over here to this group. Just because you've been given a promise does not mean you're not going to have to face, fight a giant to get it. Sometimes you've got to fight a giant to obtain what God has promised you. And sometimes that giant is closer than you imagined. It's living inside of you. And you got to deal with your own self. You got to deal with your own your your own self righteousness and your own self right your your self sufficiency. And so I believe that God wants us to overcome those things. Now I believe that in the church we face all kind of things. I believe one of the things that keeps us from obtaining the promises of God are sometimes traditions. Now some traditions are good. But the Bible says that the traditions of men make the power of God of none effect. You know, sometimes we can get into a place where we just do things and we don't even know why we do them anymore. You know, we do things and, and, we, and we, just get, we just get under that realm of tradition. You know, even in Pentecostal churches, I, I pastored for 10 years. And every now and then I just come in and say, turn in your Bible. And, and people would say, you can't do that. We haven't sung yet. I said, the Bible said, doesn't say you have to sing before I preach. I'm actually hoping that I'll preach something that you'll want to sing about afterwards. Hallelujah. You know, the reality is, is we can, we can mix it up sometimes. We can do things that are different. And so we don't need to get filled with traditions. Another is our culture. I believe that part of that is shishai, our self-righteousness. It's it's we, we, we think that what we do is best. One of the things that I try to do when we go to all these other countries is help them understand that we're not trying to propagate American culture. We're trying to establish kingdom culture. The kingdom of God is being established all over the world. We're not trying to build Americanism. We're trying to build the kingdom of God. And I believe that's what God's wanting us to do. I'll never forget being in Cameroon, Africa. And I was with um, Ken Mayo who was part of Wycliffe Bible Translators. And we're sitting in a mud hut, and he's talking to the chief of the village, okay? And they're talking in their language. And he's talking to him about coming into their village and helping to translate the Bible into their language. And I got bored because I didn't understand what they were saying. And so I did what a lot of men do. I was sitting in a little chair, and I lifted up my leg to cross my leg. And the missionary immediately turned to me and said, uncross your leg. He said, only the most important person in the room can cross their leg in this culture, and that's not you. I said, I'm sitting in a mud hut in a thatched building. I got more money in my sock than this chief has ever seen in his life, but he's the most important person. About another hour passed by, and I got bored again and forgot, and I was about to cross my leg again, and 
That time the missionary didn't even say anything to me. He just gave me the stink eye. Y'all ever gotten the stink eye? Don't do that. I understood what it meant, uncross your leg. You know, sometimes we sit in the same places, we do the same things. But God wants us to move beyond that and get into a place where God wants us to be. I believe that so many times, let me say this because I want to come to the end of this. It would have been enough for God and his love just to save us. Aren't you glad for salvation? Scripture says we've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Before he saved us, we were enemies of God. We ran from him. But he came in his grace and gave us Jesus. But he didn't just stop there. He gave us an inheritance. Why? And I want you to hear this. Because God does not want to just save you from your sin. He wants to make you his son or daughter. He wants you to be his family. I grew up in church all my life. But one of the things that I'm concerned about in today's society is that a lot of us get saved and we feel like we're part of a club. We're not part of a club. We're part of a family. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. God wants you to understand. And I may be off the mark, but I'm going to just tell you what I've observed. A lot of people feel like they're saved. But when I talk to people, they don't seem to understand that they're a son of God, that they're a daughter of the king. It makes a difference with how I live when I realize that Jesus is not just out there sitting on a throne somewhere in heaven. He's my father. I am a child of the king. And so I believe we need to understand that. I believe that God wants us to receive what he has for us. Now, a lot of us get into this entitlement mentality where it says, bless me even though I've not done anything. With anything else you've given me, God, I still want you to continue to bless me. But God wants you to use the blessings that he gives you for the purposes of God. So I believe the Lord forgives us and then he makes us his son or daughter. And then we receive the inheritance that God has given to us. The Bible says in Romans 8, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that, our, that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. I believe we have been given the spirit of adoption I may have shared this somewhere along the way before, but I have a friend of mine who's a pastor who went on a mission trip and he had been adopted as a child. And he, under, he thought he understood about adoption, but he had to get a passport. To get a passport, he had to get a birth certificate. And he said one of the greatest days in his life was when he went to get his birth certificate. And he knew that his adopted father was his real father. He loved his adopted father. But he was amazed when he got his birth certificate that he found out that in, on his birth certificate was not the name of his natural father, but was the name of his adopted father. It went not just at the time from when he was adopted, but it went all the way back to his birth and said, you've been a son of mine. 
from the very beginning. And what I want to tell you, when you become a child of God, I don't care what your history is. Your history is now that you have been a son of God or a daughter of God from the very beginning of your life. Hallelujah. He makes all things new. Hallelujah. Well, the dictionary says that we're talking about heritage that it's something somebody is born to. We were born into sin, but we were born again into his family. I believe you've been born into an inheritance. It's been something that's passed down from one generation to another. It's been passed on to us as an heir of God. A Roman historian once said, men are slower to recognize blessings than they are misfortunes. Have you ever noticed that people talk about all the bad stuff but never always talk about all the good things that God has done for us. Listen, we've all had trials and tribulations, but thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. Hallelujah. I believe there's Christians today that walk around with an inferiority complex because they don't realize the blessings they have in Christ. They see themselves as unworthy of the blessings of Christ. They see themselves as ill-prepared to do whatever God has called them to do. But Paul said, we have been blessed with Christ with every spiritual blessing. You know, I've been asked by some people in the church, what is every spiritual blessing? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But I want them all. Every one of them that he's passing out. God, I want every spiritual blessing. We've been blessed with the spirit of adoption with the spirit of freedom. We've been blessed with the Holy Spirit. Let me close with this. I declare today that God has given to you a promise. I don't know what your promise is, but I believe that even with the promise, you're going to have to fight a few giants. But I believe the Lord told me to tell you today, you are well able to overcome. If God is for you, who can be against you? I believe that God will make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. I believe, and if I've ever spoken prophetically, I believe I'm speaking to somebody today. There's a mountain with your name on it. Just like Caleb was given a mountain. And it took him a few years to come back to the place and say, give me the mountain that was promised to me. I believe that some of you have got a mountain. And I declare that mountain belongs to you. You have an inheritance of God. All inheritance is not equal. All inheritance is not the same. Because God made us to be different. And I believe that God gives to us according to who we are and what God's called us to be. The Holy Spirit is your guarantee. Hallelujah. It's guaranteed by the Spirit of the living God. How good is that? Bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you today, don't let this season pass you by. The biggest obstacle that some of us have is us. We've kind of gotten nonchalant. We've gotten into a place of complacency. And we kind of said, well, you know, <laughs> I want y'all to hear this. A lot of times we kind of get to this point and say, well, if God wants me to have it, he'll give it to me. Don't have that attitude. God, I believe you want me to have it. I'm trusting you for it. 
Give me my inheritance. Give me the mountain that you promised to me. We have to overcome our selfishness, our self-righteousness, our self-centeredness. I believe we need to come into the presence of God. Paul said, in him we live and move and have our very being. Would you stand today? Just stand all over the room. Thank you all for giving me a little extra time. I don't know if you gave me the time or if I just took the time. <laughs> Church, it's been a challenge for me to preach sitting down. I'm like the little kid in the truck. I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. <laughs> I believe the Lord wanted me to tell you today that you've got an inheritance in God. Now, first of all, and this is where we're going to start today. We're not going to take a long time to do this. Would you bow your head and close your eyes just a moment? Now, first of all, you can't obtain that inheritance unless you're a son of God or a daughter of God. And I don't want to miss the moment today that if you've come to this service today, and if you're not in a right relationship with God, if you're not a child of God, if you've not confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you can't obtain the inheritance of God. So before we go any further, I want to ask you, is there anybody in this room that's not in a right relationship with God but would say, Brother Ron, today I want to make a decision to follow Jesus because I need some of those promises. I need what God can do for me in my life. And I want to be a son of God. I want to be a daughter of God. I want to come into the family. Is there anybody that would raise your hand and say, Ron, pray for me. I want to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and King of my life today. Anybody? Anybody in the house today? Anybody in the house? Hallelujah. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Anybody? 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 I need to make a decision to follow Jesus. I want to serve the Lord with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Would you, if the Lord's speaking to you about really following Him, I want to ask you to do something more than that. I want to ask you to come to this altar and there will be somebody that will pray with you. The prayer of salvation. If you want to be in a right relationship with God today before you leave this room, right now, thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Thank you. For anybody else? You come right now. If you didn't raise your hand, don't you miss this moment. The Spirit of the Lord is moving.